you are tuned in to a fireside chat with Zany Mystic. Join us now on another exciting metaphysical journey. Relax, tune in, drop out, and take a seat by the fire as we explore new realms and possibilities. This is Magenta Pixie. You can find me at magentapixie.weebly.com. But now, here is Zany Mystic and guest. Enjoy the show. Greetings, and welcome to a fireside chat with the Zany Mystic. I'm your host, Lance White. Tonight, my guest is Susie Hansen. At age 20, on a lonely country road, in broad daylight, her car was engulfed by a massive ball of white light, resulting in 90 minutes of missing time and the unfathomable experience of waking after dark. The experience resulted in her discovery of an alternative reality, time spent with extraterrestrials on board their craft since childhood, and in fact, since her inception as a soul. She has had lifelong alien encounters which have been refined into a book titled The Dual Soul Connection, which includes scientific concepts of advanced physics, holograms, and organic conscious technology. Dr. Rudy Child addresses issues of spirituality, consciousness, modes of telepathy, and alien culture. You can find out more on her website at www.communicatorlink.com. So let's welcome Susie to the show now. Hi, Susie. How are you? Hi, Lance. I'm very well. Thank you very much. (laughs) Good. Well, uh, did you understand what was happening at age 20, or was this uh, the beginning of a long series of unfolding events? No, that really was that episode you've described on the Lonely Country Road was really a catalyst that um, threw me into a state of confusion and curiosity, I guess, and um, and followed by many years of searching and um, you know keeping a log of things that happened, questioning, investigating, and it really um, catapulted me into both contact research and interviewing other people I came across who talked of contact experiences, which was quite limited in New Zealand in those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also catapulted me into. Um, UFO sighting, investigation, and research, which, of course, I still do. I've got a foot in both camps. Mm, wonderful. Um, <clears throat> now, they uh, were uh, teaching you or training you or, shall we say, uh, you were learning things from them over the years. And uh, what were some of the technologies that they uh, shared with you? And as you went forward... Uh, how did you glean the the purpose that they were trying to uh, uh, convey uh, with you and as with humanity as a whole? Okay, so there's two major parts to that question. I think I'll address the second part first. Okay. Um, at the age of eight, um, they they began speaking, talking to me, the Greys, about um, a an agenda about something that I was a part of. And um, on one occasion, which I describe in my book, where I met the soul of my future son uh, on board craft, um, that was really a a very important um, point in my life as an eight-year-old where I had three strands of information is the best way I can describe it 
put into my mind simultaneously. The first one was just that um, you're going to meet um, another ch a child, someone, something that's going to be a child. Uh, we're going to bring them into the room shortly. The second um, strand of information was a huge in-depth amount of information uh, about what I call the three waves um, and the multi-layered multi-layered programs that they have been running for many years for humans to help us with our evolution at this stage on our planet. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last one, last strand was just a brief one saying, well, we're going to leave you alone in the room with this soul um, and you're going to get to know it and we'll, we'll observe from, a, from elsewhere in another room, but we'll come back for you shortly. So... That was the first time I, I realised that I was part of something and that there was uh, something unusual being planned in my life that I had uh, agreed to um, prior to incarnating here. And this information continued to come out and be repeated And um, as I grew older and, my, and by the time I was in my late 20s, early 30s, I had a realisation of what I was a part of it and what it meant. Mm. Um, but the technology is also a very interesting part of this, um, these programs in that I believe that a lot of the technology that humans see on craft is what I might call halfway technology that they've been developing to see our capacity for learning and being able to be a part of the kind of technology that they have on a craft, which is involves consciousness, it involves telepathy, it involves you connecting your frequency to their computer setup or to their organic craft. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think that uh, the technology side of it for me in the last four or five years has been the, the, the most rewarding part of my speeches because... Um, you know, decades ago, 40 years ago, I was giving speeches in here in New Zealand where I was able to describe advanced technology I'd seen on craft. Mm -hmm. But I got to the point where it was almost on occasions quite embarrassing describing it because I could hear myself talking and I, I realised how totally out there and unusual and sci-fi that these descriptions must sound. Uh -huh. But, of course, within the last 10 years, we've seen a lot of this technology, identical but less sophisticated, um, coming out in our own technology. And, of course, there's a lot of question marks about around the whole technology issue that's being disclosed, particularly in the States at present, alien mm -hmm. technology, potential technology, and it's very gratifying to see that not only have I met other experiencers who can describe the same technology identically, but I've also met scientists and medical people who said to me, we are only just beginning to develop what you are able to describe, and that's where we're heading, that's where we want to be, but we haven't got there yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <coughs> Well, of course, uh, we know that the there's a uh, there are technologies that have been uh, developed uh, uh, outside of the technologies that we are here about uh, that are many years, decades, maybe hundreds of years, and more advanced than what we have now. 
Yes, we, we hear about it. Um, I'm not sure that we're really seeing it yet. We're seeing, in, in the public arena at least, we're seeing uh, the beginning steps, but I'm sure that behind closed doors there's a great deal more that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so uh, uh, as, uh, this, as your experiences went on, went on, you had a broader knowledge of, of the uh, uh, general direction that you were going, and did you get the feeling that there were others uh, as well that they were working with? I mean, there must have been uh, a realization that you were not the only one and that there probably were many others that were involved with uh, various aspects of their uh, work. Well, I've, I've actually never, um, never thought that I was the only one because right from early childhood, um, I would take part in activities on the craft that involved large groups of humans. So I was perfectly aware from a very young age that, that this was a massive uh, set of programs that had probably involved millions of people. Uh, and um, and right, right up to present day, I have a conscious memory of being on craft, being lectured to in large groups of up to 250 people. But um, certainly as a child, I was usually in groups of 20 to 30, and that would involve human children as well as um, greys, you know, young greys, and, and mixed species, mixtures of greys and, and other um, entities. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this was always a, a learning situation, and mo- almost all of the visits on board craft involve uh, learning mm-hmm. something or being tested in some area. Mm. And, of course, that uh, takes us into the idea of a dual-soul connection, that most of these people, if not all of them, probably had a dual-soul connection, one human and one that was uh, otherworldly or alien. Um, Would you like to elaborate on that somewhat? Yes. um, Around about 2006, and certainly the first time, I started documenting the information that I have been given over the years about these three waves of volunteer souls that came in, have come into the planet mm-hmm. um, at this particular time. And in 2007 uh, is the first time I spoke publicly about it. And I really only alluded to it um, in about 15 minutes of my speech because I really wanted to to maintain most of the information for my book so that people could read it and understand it much better. But um, certainly the, the three waves are distinct groups of souls that have um, incarnated with a purpose. And uh, it involves millions of people and uh, it's only... The set members of some members of the second wave and some members of the third wave, uh, from my understanding, who have the dual soul capacity. The rest of the people within those uh, programs and in those three waves are there for a whole variety of reasons, like too many to um, to mention in in a few minutes uh, mm. in an interview. But but. Um, you know, people are task orientated. They have something to achieve in this life that is part of of a whole picture and a, and a whole agenda. And within those groups, there are some people who have this dual soul capacity, but not all. Just depends on what it is that you're um, you're here to do, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, do you get the sense that we are being uh, assisted or empowered to reach another level of, uh, say, conscious awareness and another level of evolution uh, shortly? I mean, by shortly, I mean within the next, you know, 100 years or so or 10 years. Uh, yes, I, I I couldn't put a time limit on it. Um, I think that they they described to a group of humans that I was with on one occasion on board craft, the grey uh, up the front described um, using an analogy that we would understand. He described a rubber band. So mm -hmm. he said you can pull a, stretch the rubber band out, and on some days that might um, that might indicate the the progress in terms of evolution and consciousness on the planet, and other days the rubber band will spring back and it'll be shorter, and mm -hmm. um, things may not be going so well. So it's it's something that is moving and breathing and evolving uh, all the time, this, this um, immeasurable progress that, that we're making, I guess. And, uh, and certainly there's a, there are a lot of people on the planet who are, who are part of that process. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and probably some that are not you know, aware of it yet. <laughs> That's right, yes. Hopefully they'll listen to this show and get an idea. <laughs> <laughs> Um, now, do they ever talk about the uh, the negative aspects or the negative forces that are uh, have other plans for humanity? Um, only on one occasion that I can recall did they mention um, a, a grey mentioned to me that there were other species here who had um, a different agenda and that this agenda was not um, not conducive to to peace and harmony on the planet. Mm -hmm. But it, he did not outline um, what this species was or what they were doing. He just alluded to the fact that they were having to deal with that as well. Mm, I see. Right, right. <clears throat> right. Yeah, we all are having to deal with it. <laughs> mm. um, <clears throat> so uh, what about uh, some of the things that are more interesting are the conscious technologies that... Uh, the organic conscious technologies, that's a fascinating subject, and uh, I've read several books about how the ships are, are uh, communicating because they're alive, and they uh, communicate consciously with the uh, person who is uh, driving it or, or instructing it or communicating with it to go wherever it's supposed to go. Um, did you get into much of that and discover how that, uh, how that evolved? Yes, um, there's a number of um, technologies I could describe that oh, involve yeah. con consciousness, but probably the, the the one that relates to what you've just said the most is when I was 32 years old in 1987, um, I was taken in a small scout craft um, by human humanoid or human-looking um, species who look similar to what the early contactees described as the the Nordics, but oh. they were actually on board a craft that was operated by greys and they were working alongside them. And I was given the opportunity to go in the scout craft with five of these um, these beings and um, and I was given a lesson on how to fly it. And oh. I was shown two different ways. Firstly, it was manually, so without the 
so much of the consciousness in input. It was using a small lever that popped up out of the console in front of me, uh, and uh, there was a, a like a 3D display hanging in the air, which I could also observe. And I was also able to look at what I call a window screen all around the interior of the craft so that I could look in any direction and be able to see outside of the craft uh, where we were and, um, you know, what we were flying over. And uh, from a stationary position, I was instructed on how to, to move the craft manually. Um, and then I was instructed on how to use to move it um, using that conscious connection. And initially I remember thinking, well, I should be able to fly it manually okay because I've flown a, flown a glider in the past and mm. um, it's a similar concept to this one little lever, so I should be able to do that quite easily. But in actual fact, um, I found that flying a craft using the conscious connection to what I call the big brain or the, the conscious uh, organic computer was much easier because as he explained to me, the instructor, um, it cut out all the messages that have to go from the brain to the muscles and the ligaments and the tendons and the nerves, etc., cetera, to, to make that, that movement of the lever, um, doing it manually. It cuts all that out. It's much more instantaneous. Um, but it took a little while to get used to that connection and um, using the mind to instruct a, a machine to, to move and to move in a specific way. Mm, that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> yes, I describe it in Chapter 23 of my book. I call it Passing Through the Planet because um, they also, uh, when they returned me to my home at night, um, they told me they were going to pass through the planet and there was a, a moment of panic on my part um, <laughs> knowing what the in interior of our planet is like right. uh, but they explained it to me that the craft would change its uh, status so it would move outside of the reality it was in and it would progress through the space that is taken up by the planet and then slip back into that reality once it's through and out the other side. Wow. <clears throat> That's uh, uh, truly amazing. And uh, and yet, as a kid, I always thought that we could do things like that. Yes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, things that you're describing seem, sound like uh, things that the military would be interested in learning about. Did you ever get approached by them just out of curiosity? Well, yes, I, I don't want to go into too much detail publicly about that, but um, I have had um, two rather unpleasant incidents with, um, with well, I don't know whether you'd call them agents or what you would call them, mm -hmm. um, but uh, the most recent one last year resulted in me um, nearly dying of a blood, skin and... Um, Blood, blood, skin, and lung infection. Mm. Um, so uh, I was actually sprayed with something. So oh there is a is a danger in um, in talking about some of these things. One would think that there might be some people who might want to sit down and talk to me about what I have experienced, but uh, with some people that doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, wow. Although I have been 
approached by quite a number of scientists and um, medical people since I gave a speech at the UFO Congress in the States last year uh, about alien technology. There's there's been a lot of um, scientists and medical people come forward offering their uh, their thoughts on it and offering information which has been really great so it becomes a real uh, continuing learning experience mm, good good uh, it's sad to think that we <clears throat> have to experience things like that with our own people and um, but uh, unfortunately this uh, this uh, duality that we are living in has uh, tended to uh, put people into categories like, you know, uh, they're dangerous, uh, eliminate, or, you know, keep them around. And uh, yes, that kind of thinking yes. is very dangerous. Yes, it is. And um, and I, I do think in any case, Lance, um, it can be uh, a daunting thing for experiencers or abductees, contactees to come forward with their stories. And um, particularly... If you go public and you you know you speak at conferences and that, um, it's it's not all plain sailing. It's uh, it there are aspects of it that that can be quite uh, disconcerting, and it's it's not all um, roses and chocolates. I'm afraid. <laughs> right, right, and it takes a little bit of courage to uh, uh, proceed and and do what your heart tells you to do. Yes. Um, and yet, you know, if you look at the body of work of people who have had experiences, and I've talked to, you know, well, uh, some of them, and certainly not all of them by any means, but enough to know that there are quite a few out there, um, there is disclosure going on right now, and we're part of it. <laughs> yes, yes, it's um, that's an interesting point, Lance, because really... Um, we have to define, coming from New Zealand, we have to define what is the disclosure in terms of what the United States expects of their government or their military uh, and what is seen as disclosure by many other countries. Uh, um, yes. Because, um, you know, I think there's a there's quite a stark difference there in a lot of cases. And um, as a UFO sighting investigator of 44 years, I think that um, disclosure has been going on as long as people were seeing um, unusual vehicles in the sky. Mm -hmm. And um, I sort of smile to myself when I hear people saying that uh, sightings are done and dusted and they're, they're something that should be forgotten about and, um, you know, it's all about contact. Because I, I don't really agree with that. I think we have a great deal that we can learn from uh, sighting investigation. Mm -hmm. And um, even going back into some of the old historic sightings, we can reassess them and relook at them in a new light of, of more recent discoveries, etc. And um, some of the information that you can glean out of those is, is quite astonishing. Mm -hmm. And, of course, many, um, many sightings, uh, and I, I talked I did some speeches in Australia recently. Um, I did a sighting speech about um, witnesses who had seen not only a craft, but they'd seen an entity with the landed craft. And so we have a crossover of the sightings and the, the contact kind of uh, mm. arena in, in those kinds of events. And so this is disclosure that's happening all the time and has been for a long time. Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, the disclosure that everybody clamors for, of course, 
is from our own governments, which uh, I think that will be the last uh, area of disclosure that we'll ever uh, encounter, that they will come out much uh, sooner with from people talking about their own experiences uh, than it will from a, a governmental source. Yes, and, and um, that's another good point, Lance, is that um, maybe that's what they're waiting for. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's going to be much easier if uh, if the the numbers of people coming forward um, is is breaking that surface and breaking that ice and making mm-hmm. it um, more acceptable to the public and um, making the public more curious. Perhaps this is all a timing thing um, that that we're not really necessarily aware of, but that there may be um, an easy easier path than just the government coming out and saying something. Mm-hmm. And I have been predicting for some years, and I mention it in my book, that um, I'm, I feel that within the next five years, possibly up to ten years, but certainly the next five, there's going to be a huge amount of people coming forward talking about their contact experiences. And many of those people will be... Um, just ordinary people, you know, we're not necessarily talking about politicians or the military or whatever, just ordinary family people um, who might step forward and they could be in my age group, um, you know, and and older, Mm -hmm. uh, saying, look, I've never talked about this before, but I've had um, some contact experiences. And um, this is going to have a real ripple flow on effect within families and communities because if you've got someone that you've known for years that you trust, that you like, that they may be of standing in the community or whatever, and suddenly they come out with these kinds of statements, it's going to make people really sit up and take notice. And as a person who supports um, people who, you know, talks to and supports people who've had contact experiences, I'm seeing this happening already with a lot more people being unafraid to come forward and talk about it at least to someone like myself or researchers, other experiencers and their own family. And that's got to be a good thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I feel like you do that uh, within the next five to ten years and hopefully sooner rather than later that uh, this kind of uh, talk will be um, old hat, and we'll actually have the uh, experiences with encounters with uh, those who are here to uh, communicate with us, and it will be uh, a matter as matter as a matter of fact. And um, hopefully, uh, the there will be some kind of resolution uh, uh, with the powers that want to, I guess you could say, run the show and keep keep humanity at a certain level uh, so that uh, those who are doing uh, what they're doing with you and others can then enter into this reality and uh, openly uh, confer with us and, uh, you know, teach us and and uh, work with us. Yes, that's right. And um, But there's one, in my mind at least, there's one little, quite large actually, obstacle there, um, and that is the whole issue of technology. If we are to meet ET at one day, and as you said, that, that could be a very long way away, mm-hmm. uh, where, where we meet them openly as a civilization, um, I think really we have to 
uh, get a little closer to them in terms of our technology, and this relates to what I said earlier about how they have been teaching humans uh, how to use this kind of conscious technology on craft, and they've been testing us and seeing our capacity and seeing what we can do with it and how far we can reach with it. Um, just to ascertain where we're at and where they need to move us. And I do believe that a lot of the technologies coming out today, uh, some of them um, are, are actually being possibly put into people's minds eventually so that they, they come out in the public arena. Someone has, you know, um, come up with an idea that's really marvellous, but it may be that they had some interventional help with mm -hmm. that kernel of thought and this is one way that they can move us forward and the other thing is of course if we are going to be equipped with the kind of technology that we're trying to develop there are dangers in it about how that technology might be used we see mind control people talking about mind control and what what they can do now with the technology that can affect the body and the mind. Mm -hmm, so there mm -hmm. are those terrible dangers that we might, as a as a race, fall into those awful pits that we've fallen into in the past of, mm -hmm. yes, let's gain some power by harming people and putting them into submission using this kind of technology. So really what needs to happen before we can really work with this kind of technology and come face-to-face -face with people or entities that are using it on a daily basis, is we have to raise our level of spirituality. We mm -hmm. have to come to an understanding of what we are doing to each other on the planet. And we are really quite retrograde in terms of spirituality, and that's exactly what the Greys told a group of us humans on a craft at one stage, that we've gone backwards and we really need to mm -hmm. step up that spirituality in order to be able to use this kind of technology ethically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do they talk about spirituality much at all in terms of their own uh, thoughts and beliefs? Uh, not in terms of like dogmas or right. belief systems. Uh, no, not at all. That's very human. But I think um, certainly the species that I have had contact with, they, they exhibit their spirituality is the only way I can put it. Yes, through yes. what they teach us, how they teach it, through the way they relate to us, the the way that the interface takes place is have for me at least has been spiritual. I know that there are people out there who have had um, you know negative experiences, but I, I can't speak for that. I can only speak for what I have had experience with. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Now. <clears throat> One of the things that occurred to me is that um, they do communicate telepathically, uh, as, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, and um, it's, uh, some people are forming groups to try to develop the tele their telepathic abilities in advance of being able to communicate with those who are uh, there already. And uh, I know that there's an etiquette also that uh, needs to be and one needs to be aware of because our thinking processes are not exactly as refined as theirs. Um, can you enlighten us on some of that? Uh, yes. Um, I do do a speech actually about the modes of tele telepathy that um, I have been taught and that I've seen exhibited um, in lectures and talks on Broadcraft. Ah. 
And when we think of telepathy, we tend to think of um, transferring our thoughts from ourselves to another human being. Um, and that person receives it. But I've seen many different forms of telepathy on craft. For example, um, I've seen a grey giving a, a talk to a large group of humans, and at one point um, he decided that a certain number of the humans were, were not following or understanding from a spiritual perspective what he was talking about mm. and um, they were questioning which is fine but um, they were not listening to the responses and so what he did was he just cut them out of his telepathy <laughs> so here we have the ability to use consciousness to just block the message getting to that group there and wow. still convey the message to the others perhaps on the other side of the room. Wow. Um, I've also seen a Grey who um, throughout his speech he was uh, listening to our, our thoughts, he was tapping into our consciousness um, as, as a teacher does and I'm a former school teacher so uh. I know that standing up in front of a class you can ascertain a lot about how the children are managing a subject or whatever, just by their facial expressions, their demeanor, their concentration, their responses, all of those things that, that we show on our body or our, our face. Uh -huh. um, but, of course, they don't do that. They tend to have very bland facial expression, <laughs> and all of their expression is put into the telepathy and the communication through consciousness. Uh -huh. So um, he was listening and watching um, ascertaining where we were all at and who'd missed out on some vital information and who needed a bit more information on something. Wow. And at the end of the lecture, he did what I called a telepathic spray. That's the nickname I gave it many years ago, where he just sent out multiple telepathic messages to everyone in the room, mm. which you received and understood, which kind of upgraded you on on what you'd missed out on or what you'd misunderstood. So wow. rather like a teacher at the end of the day writing a comment on the end of your essay. <laughs> wow. So, you know, there are just some magical things that they are able to do with their consciousness that, that we can't comprehend as yet. Do we have any idea of the, uh, the physical years of advancement that they might be uh, in, in terms of... Um, in relation to us? Um, I've never heard them talk about that. I've never heard them say, well, you're 200 years behind us or whatever. Right. Um, because I think it is it is something that's, as I said before, it's like the rubber band can stretch out you're one right. day and contract the next. So it's, right. it's a gradual process that takes place. Um, what is the most profound information that you've received as you've been taking in various uh, uh, different to graze information, uh, is there anything in particular that stands out as just being uh, absolutely chilling as far as the implications go? Well, I think the, the, the most, uh, there's two things that spring to mind. Firstly, from the age of eight, being taught about the three waves, how they function, what the goal is, what the end agenda is, um, and that is to help assist us to change, change from within. So changing our own civilization from within, we do the work. 
they can help us by taking millions of people on board craft and educating them um, and doing other kinds of things on the planet. Mm. But ultimately, we're the ones who have to do it. Um, they can can um, intervene in terms of education, but of course, it, it comes down to us. So really, the standout thing in my life has been learning about these groups of souls that are here and why they're here and how they got here and what the process was. But the other standout thing for me um, was when I was taken into a, a room on a craft on one occasion where I was shown what I called, a, nicknamed a galaxy screen. Mm. And this was this was back in um, somewhere between 78 and 83. I haven't got an exact date there, but it was when I was living in a particular place, so it's within those that framework of years. And, um, and I was shown a holographic display in the air of our solar system, and he zoomed in on planet Earth, which mm. grew bigger and bigger in the air in front of me, and he took me back to a specific time in the, with this hologram, and that was the um, atomic um, bombing of um, Hiroshima. Oh, my. And um, he showed me the, the shock wave that went out from that explosion. It went out through our atmosphere, beyond, went through our solar system, and he kept making the hologram of our planet Earth smaller and smaller and smaller so that in the air in front of me I was seeing our solar system, and then I was seeing our solar system as a part of the galaxy and um, seeing that shockwave going way out and becoming more and more unstable and broader as it went. So um, that really brought home to me the concept of how we are all interrelated, mm -hmm. how we are all connected to the one, to the whole, and that whatever we do on this planet doesn't just affect us, it can affect all of our solar system and entities and species that have civilizations beyond that. And that was the point that he was wanting to make to me. Um, and he reached into my mind to look at jargon or terminologies that I'm familiar with, and he pulled one out and said, this should put fire in your belly. So really he was telling me, when you start public speaking, you must have commitment to the subject because this is an illustration of what is at stake if your planet and civilization keeps on in its destructive tendencies as it is. This is the harm that it will do beyond your own planet. Um, yes, yes, absolutely. <clears throat> yes, there seems to be a lot of unconscious behavior uh, and service-to-self behavior here on the planet that That's is right. not concerned with, uh, you know, anything except uh, an immediate gain for a particular person and uh, no respect for nature or for the forces or for the life that's here. And um, things have certainly gone quite awry, I think. Yes, yes, I think so. And... Um... And I think of our companion species, all the other species on the planet mm -hmm. um, who really are at at the whim of of what we do. We affect their habitat, we affect their food sources. Um, so really we have not been good guardians in many respects on this planet. No, no, not, not at all. 
and uh, being unconscious most of the time, uh, yes. we just trample over nature, not realizing we're uh, walking over nature spirits, and there may be, uh, you know, a little enclave of fairies and gnomes, and uh, that uh, gets <laughs> destroyed just because uh, somebody thinks that they need to trim the bushes or something. <clears throat> yes, yes, I think that um, you know many psychics and mediums and um, you know intuitive people for forever, you know, going back in um, in history and mythology have known that there are other. Uh, species or other kinds of life that that exist in the ether of our planet and mm -hmm. um, and I think we will become more aware of that as time goes by we may find that we're not the only uh, intelligent species <laughs> apart from all of um, animals and and you know mammals etc I'm talking about other kinds of um, ethereal creatures right right and those are the ones that I, I love to uh, be aware of, more aware of. Yes. Whenever possible. Um, so there was, uh, you mentioned the group souls just a moment ago, groups of souls, and I was wondering if uh, that related to uh, souls that came from a specific, um, mm, uh maybe a planetary system, like I'm thinking Pleiadian and Arcturian and so on, or would this be groups of souls as soul uh, groupings that had uh, come from a particular oversoul? Um, no, um, from my understanding, they're not from a particular planet or anything like that. We're all universal souls. We're not okay. human souls. We're universal souls. And... And most of us, or if not all of, well, all of us have lived somewhere else before, not mm -hmm. necessarily on this planet, um, elsewhere doing other things. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the the three groups of souls, the three waves I'm talking about, are just souls that were called to start a new life, and um, and they were given an option. They were given an option of coming here. And um, that may be because of what they've amassed uh, from previous lives that mm -hmm. might be useful in the task that on this planet. Um, so it's almost like there's a criteria that those souls in those three groups met when they were offered the life here. Mm. Um, and then they were offered the opportunity to work with these, these other species who are running these agendas um, running the agenda that I describe um, that is to to help us to evolve and help mm. us to reach a point where we can actually um, come face to face with them as a civilization. Mm. That uh, will truly be a magnificent moment when that can happen, I know. <laughs> yes. As but, to whether it'll be in our lifetime, I don't know. Right. I doubt it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Right, although there are those uh, who are talking about uh, some major uh, shifts, uh, maybe the shift, uh, possibly starting around January 12th, um, there's an alignment that's coming up that uh, is uh, going to, allegedly going to be very, uh, it's going to be very uh, choppy for uh, the established systems. And yes. uh, we may see them collapsing uh, as they are now, as a, as the status quo, anything that's mechanical, 
or you know centered in greed or uh, uh, you know self self-centered kinds of uh, activities and of course <laughs> the whole world is that way with business and uh, so on and so forth but um, I think yeah, it'll so be I an think, interesting time yeah so I think that um, that uh, all of, uh, there'll be a lot of things happening and each will contribute its own little frequency to the whole um, but I, I can't see um, anything really major taking place until uh, the, the whole spirituality is elevated. But each of these things that happens where we see negative things collapsing in the world, institutes that are negative and harmful to humans collapsing, that's all, all part of the system breaking down. And, of course, we have to be ready and prepared to replace it with something else. And I think that's really uh, where we need to be going, but we're not not really going in that direction um, too much. I'm thinking of education and the health system, uh, our legal systems, etc. There's oh, yeah. there have okay. sweeping changes take place for us to be able to accommodate uh, a lot of the collapses and challenges and changes that are taking place. Absolutely, uh, and uh, unfortunately, those in charge seem to be. Uh, uh, Cutting back on the those things that you're talking about that uh, would enhance or empower us, and uh, it's uh, and focusing in on things that are more financially oriented. So, um, yes, you know, but we are. I agree with that, Lance. But we're also seeing people power emerging a lot more around the planet. Yeah, and yes. Um, and I think you can you can push people down so far, and then mm -hmm. something snaps. Yeah, and um, and then we bounce back, and and we um, we can quite strongly bounce back and make those changes that are necessary. And one of the factors that will contribute to a lot of these changes is the the third group of souls, what I call the third wave, who are now pretty much in their in their thirties, some a bit younger, some a bit older. And they will be getting into positions of power in a positive sense and influence in whatever job they may be in or what whatever career they may be in, whatever community they may belong to. And those people have been trained to um, to be highly analytical but compassionate. Mm, and often nice. we find that a highly analytical Features are not necessarily go going hand in hand with compassion and spirituality, but these young people are going to be leading the way and making a lot of those necessary changes within our civilizations, institutions, and um, and uh, you know places where people uh, go to to get help and and to survive. Mm, wonderful. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of time left, but I wanted you to be able to have some time to just kind of share your um, um, uh, vision for what we could be uh, when what we can actually do now to empower ourselves uh, to move in that direction of uh, enhanced uh, evolution and uh, communication with each other and, and a higher level of... Uh, frequency as well well Lance um, I hear you know I look on the internet and Facebook and YouTube and there's all this stuff out there about all these amazing things you can do to um, 
to elevate your frequency or to, you know, do all kinds of amazing things. Uh -huh. um, but I think sometimes we make it too hard and we we get tied up in, it, in the process rather than um, keeping it simple. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I like to think I'm a reasonably practical person and so I'm going to take it down to the lowest denominator and just say if everybody tried to be more um, kind mm. and considerate in their daily lives to all life forms, um, there would be a massive change in the planet overnight. Uh, if we all took time in our daily lives to look at our own household and our own property and look at ways we can improve that through recycling or whatever. And if we keep those things simple and we have that feeling that we are making a change in ourselves, that will flow on to people around us, family members, friends, neighbours, workmates, etc., and I truly believe that the man in the street can make enormous changes that will affect the planet. Mm -hmm. And yes, we have some very big corporations and institutions that ride roughshod over humanity, but mm -hmm. I still believe that our power of intent is extremely an extremely powerful part of consciousness that we don't really realize yet how much power we have in that intent of being more kind and considerate and compassionate to our fellow humans and our fellow um, companion species. Mm, beautifully said, beautifully said. Um, is there anything that you think that the Greys would want you to say? <laughs> you probably said it already. I think so. I yeah. think that um, the, the, the work, what springs to mind as soon as you said that is just change from within. Yeah. Uh, personal responsibility that flows on to family friends, community, and country. Well, we are at the end of the hour now, and so uh, <clears throat> I want to thank you so much for being on the show tonight and, and sharing such a wealth of information. And um, if you would tell people uh, where they can find your website and anything else that you'd like to share and where they can get your book. Okay, well, I have two websites. Um, I've got a nationwide UFO sighting website in New Zealand, which is www.ufocusnz, ufocusnz.org.nz. And then I have um, www.communicatorlink.com, which is where I and two colleagues um, assist and talk to people who've, who've had contact experiences. My book, The Dual Soul Connection, The Alien Agenda for Human Advancement, is available on Amazon and uh, Barnes & Noble, so uh, people are welcome to contact me. Um, my, my email addresses are on my websites, and I welcome hearing about people's experiences or any questions from people who've read my book are most welcome. Wonderful. <clears throat> well, thanks again, Susie, and... Uh um, I, I truly got quite a bit from our uh, conversation tonight, and I just want to thank you so much for sharing yourself tonight with us. Thank you, Lance, and thank uh, you for the opportunity to talk to you and to your listeners. Sure, and I hope you do it again, too. <laughs> thank you. I will. All right. Well, <laughs> okay. Good night, Have everybody. A great good night, Susie. Good night.